Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart. I'm Tanya Hart, and you're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. You know, America has had the most powerful military for the last hundred years or more, and that's still the case, even though it may not seem like it, it is true. Thanks to people like Brian Garner, who served in the Navy for nine years. He's currently, though, a contract specialist for the Defense Logistics Agency, and I know that sounds kind of complicated and kind of deep, but Brian is a guy who is working through the whole issue of the military and Black Lives Matter. Brian, welcome to Hollywood Live Extra. Thank you very much. So first of all, tell us, what is a contract specialist (laughs) for the Defense Logistics Agency? (laughs) Well, a contract specialist uh, uh, manages government contracts. Uh, For example, in some agencies, they buy fuel for the military or whatever logistics items are needed. And so to make sure the government is spending his money as correctly as possible, there are people who uh, watch over that, set up, you know, go through the process and make sure we're buying from the right vendors and the government is getting what it needs, uh, get it, what it's looking for. That's great because we always hear, I mean, we're paying for this as taxpayers, so that's pretty important. Oh, it's all taxpayer money, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we look at some of the issues in the military, just getting away from that, the contracts for a second, uh, for, mm-hmm. from your own personal experience, because you were there for a while and you were down in San Diego, which is one of our big uh, ports and big, big uh, Navy, uh, what shall I say, Navy, give me the word, Um Navy base, yes. Navy base, thank you. It's early here. Uh, Navy base. What was that experience like for you? I enjoyed being in the Navy. It was it was quite the adventure. Um, I, the first time I ever went out to sea was something that I'll never forget. Um, but I come from a military family as well. My father served in the Air Force, and my older uncles and cousins served in the Marine Corps and in the Army. So there's a tradition of service in my family. So it was essentially all that I knew growing up. So it was a great experience. I loved it. Um, It meant a lot to serve my country, uh, which is a very interesting space as we talk about, you know, what it means to be black and to be in this patriotic lens in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because everybody, I mean, it's unfortunate and this has nothing to do with, well, it may have something to do with what we're talking about today. You know, um, there's been a young uh, uh, girl missing from Fort Hood and a couple of other people have been missing there. And it's really sounding like it's going to end up being a tragic story. So that was um, a situation where this brown woman apparently had been being sexually harassed and now she's missing uh i know that being a black man in the navy in this even in this century comes with its challenges what would you say is the thing that needs to happen in our military right now to make everybody feel comfortable and 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 wanted because heck you guys are there because you're serving all of us absolutely Absolutely. Well, one of the things that we are seeing, well, I was happy to see in this last month was that each of the service chiefs and the joint chief, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, issued a statement addressing racism within the ranks of the military. Uh, that was huge. And of course, that, that came on the, uh, on the heels of the sitting president basically politicizing the military uh, when he wanted to issue the threat to have the military police 
the the protests. Right. And so, what what do we want to see? What I, what do I like seeing personally? I like to see leadership get out in front on this, and that was important. Uh, one of the you know one of the challenges with that is when you have a commander in chief who uh, you know doesn't see things see things through a political lens rather than the lens of our values, which is what mm-hmm. we in the military tend to look at things you know through. And so, uh, for example, this president, you know, uh, was going to flout uh, the Posse Comitatus Act, which was something that was an act that was signed in 1878. This now this uh, act was signed at the end of Reconstruction after the Civil War. And so what as we remember this time period, what we knew is that the U.S. Army was occupying the former Confederate states to bolster up the mandate of the of Reconstruction, which meant that there was an ascendancy of black political power. When that support waned, they signed the act. One of the things that the, the country did was sign this act in 1878. So now we fast forward to last June. Over this, uh, and so we're talking about how the president wants to use the military to police you know, protests, which the Black Lives Matter movement uh, is this rising ascendancy of black political power. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, so on both sides of this act, we're seeing the military being uh, used as a political weapon, and that was dangerous. Yes, and, and you know, again, how do how are guys that you speak with that are in that are currently in the military? What is their feeling about this? I mean, there, there's got to be this real dichotomy within yourself, realizing that as a protector of peaceful protesters, because that's what you're supposed to be doing. And now, now the commander in chief, crazy man, is asking you to do something else. What does that do to yeah. you internally? It does. It's, it's 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 a conflict, and it's a conflict that each generation of black veterans has had to have do battle with. Uh, for you know, this generation, yes, we're we're looking at the fact that yes, racism does still exist in the 21st century. It exists within the military ranks. Uh, when you have things, uh, you know, organizations like the Boogaloo movement, that is this insurgency uh, that is that goes out to the protests to incite you know, additional trouble. They're armed, they, they go out, and they, they foment this uh, animus. Um, right. And so that needs to be called out for what it is. Now, and back up so, a little bit, Brian, yes. did, not to interrupt you, but it, so are, who are these people, really? I mean, they're, they call themselves the Boogaloo Movement, like you said, and where are they coming from, and what kind of control, do, do we have any control over these people? Because it seems like we don't. Well, it's just like a, a lot of things that are going on in this day and age. It's it's a, it's socially social media driven, uh, and so it's a bunch of nebulous groups uh, that have that are that exist on whatever point of the political and social compass. Uh, but many of of them are anti uh, anti government. Uh, they tend to be anti-feminism, anti-racist, and you know, anti-immigrant. Uh, so mm-hmm. many of the groups lean towards that. Um, not all, but many do. And so they go and they want to instigate more violence 
and, and incite more trouble because they, you know be, you know it's it, it's suggested that they have been the ones starting the fires in some of these protests. Mm-hmm. They have been you know, yes, and, and they've shown up armed. Yes, and, and so you know so these you know so these are problems. But you know yeah, they, what you were saying. Before, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. But going back to what you were saying before about what what does it feel like as you know just a black soldier, sailor, airman, uh, or marine uh, in the military uh, in this day and age, it's the same that it was for our you know our older brothers and fathers and grandfathers, where you know it was you know we are we consider ourselves Americans. We're here doing this duty to this country. This is the country of our birth, for the most part, and uh, we're doing our share. Um, and hoping to earn the same level of respect, but it becomes this duality because, of of course, I'm black and, and you know, I, you know, I, I'm 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 the soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, but then I'm also this black person who you know, and and the reality of my lived experience is not often acknowledged. So that's why it was good to see military leadership acknowledge that because there are problems. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's more, than, it's more than just acknowledging it. Well, there we go. I want everybody to know you're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. I'm Tanya Hart. My guest today is Brian Garner. We're talking about the military and Black Lives Matter. And, you know, you, you are so right in terms of any solution. You've been there for a while. Again, uh, I'm shouting all your praises because you're actually kind of my new son-in-law and so <laughs> um and and i and i'm so excited about you and and Zedra and what you guys are doing in your lives but moving forward because i know that's what you're starting to work on now uh how do we move this forward how do we make the you know because if, uh, quite frankly when they integrated the finally integrated um the army or the or the military i guess what was back in 1948 or something so ever since then 1948 we've been fighting long time before then we've been fighting actually the first man to die in the revolutionary war was crispus addicts he was a black man so that's how long we've been fighting that was the revolutionary war so looking at this today you know it's it's almost like everything else is like why do i have to prove myself in a, in a situation like the military, of all things. And if that is still the case, what is your suggestion for a solution to try to to change? I don't know if you want to change people's minds. I, I don't even know what we're looking at these days, but at least to make it more comfortable for everybody. Well, for me, uh, there's a bit of context to add to, add to this. Uh, for a share of the population that serves in the military is less than half of a percentage. You know, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, did a demographic study back in 2016, and it's about 0.5 of a percentage point uh, that ever uh, of, of the entire population of the United States that serves in the military. That's a that's a significantly significantly small number, and so what that means is that it becomes this very exclusive space. And so when you also add that the military is smaller than even when I was in in the 80s and 90s, the military is a lot smaller. And there's a smaller share of the population that ever serves, and it's more, you know, highly technical. And so that means access for a lot of people who don't have the educational background. That it's not, you know, the military is not no longer accessible mm-hmm. to them. Um, then you have a situation where service, how we consider service in this country, 
uh, is no longer democratized. It's no longer an opportunity for um, uh, you know many many more people. And so mm-hmm. when you create that space, you know, where it's, it's not a lot of access based on how we think of service in this country, then it, you know it becomes it, then it, it's open to be politicized and to be manipulated to just give one skewed point of view. So what I think. Uh, personally, is that we need to expand how we think about service. We need to unhinge it from just the notion that uh, the only only people who carry rifles are the ones that are serving this country. If we think of it in terms of it could be that the people who speak truth to power and who are out in the streets and calling out, you know, police departments that are, you know, basically effectively militarized. You know, mm-hmm. we need to consider that patriotic. We need to consider that service to the country and to the community. Um, and so it, it, it so it becomes more of a psychological shift. Uh, how do we do that tangibly? We have com- we keep having conversations. We keep showing up in numbers. Um, so a lot of my research in my uh, PhD program is about blackness through the lens of patriotism in the 21st century. And so just you know just having these conversations. Uh, what what lit me on fire was in 2017 when Trump was treating tweeting about the football players, right? You know, calling you know calling them SOBs and and this type of thing. I mean, it, it just was it was amazing how this person who never served and hardly ever played a sport, right. uh, you know, was going to you know besmirch these people he didn't know them and he did not even address what that was about but even what what Kaepernick and these other players were doing was a patriotic move yes and now apparently everybody knows it uh including the nfl thank goodness we're going to run out of time here brian but i I, you know again this is a conversation we need to continue um we're going to have you come back again and and continue with some of the work that you're doing uh because this is an important thing and what you said again we're in a process right now where we have i believe changed a corner here in america we've turned a corner i don't turn that corner i don't know what the road leads to but we've actually turned a corner here and it's folks like you that will help us and guide us through the the actual mental change that we all need to go through like you said in order to keep this country strong i thank you i thank you for your service come back again and join us thank you so much it's been great (laughs) Okay, thank you. You're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. And don't forget to subscribe to SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. And also get that AURN app. It's very important because we got a lot of stuff on there. And besides, if you like what you hear here, don't miss any of them. Give us a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. Hollywood Live Extra, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.